Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. Steve here with Jimmy, recording on Tuesday. So a couple days after Roma's 1-1 draw at the Olimpico against Fiorentina. Uh, we didn't get a chance to record yesterday, so we, we've had about 48 hours to reflect on this one. Jim, I'll start by asking how you're doing, and then, then I'll kind of set the stage a bit, because the stage was set for Roma in this one. But before we get there, how are you doing tonight? Are you kind of moving past the the way this one played out? Yeah, I mean, when I wrote my match preview for this one, I said pretty bluntly that the difference between a top four side and a side that contends for top four but doesn't actually get there is how they handle the matches against their opponents who aren't in the top four. Uh, We've seen this time and time again with Roma that, if anything, Roma has often been more successful against bigger sides than smaller sides. And the difference at the end of the season has often been losing to minnows or drawing to minnows and i wouldn't call fiorentino um fiorentina a minnow in any sense of the term they're a historically big club uh but at the same time you know they've been consistently mid-table for a couple seasons now and that's the type of match that you need to win on a consistent basis if you're really hoping to get champions league football i could definitely quibble about both red cards to Nikola Zalewski and Romelu Lukaku. I don't really think that that was justified in any way, shape, or form watching the match. Uh, but at the same time, close is only good in horseshoes and hand grenades. So I would say that it's good that Roma got one point out of this, but it doesn't give me much optimism heading into the rest of December that Roma will, by the time the new year rolls around, actually be in contention for top four football still. This was a really waste. This was a wasted opportunity, which feels like a, a recurring theme about when we have our discussions. Yeah. So let, let me paint the picture from the beginning here. We'll get into those red cards and everything else about the way the match played out. But just to set the stage about how this weekend played out prior to Roma playing this, the late Sunday match against Fiorentina. On Friday, Juventus beat Napoli, right? Napoli and Roma came into this match day level on points. Roma slightly ahead on goal differential. Uh, Lazio dropped two crucial points at Verona. So uh, Verona doing well against the Roman sides this year, similar to Genoa. I guess certain teams uh, just love playing the capital clubs. But 1-1 draw there, even after Verona got a red card at some point in that match. Two drop points for them. Chance for Roma to, to pull a little bit further away from them. Chance to go three ahead of Napoli for fourth place. Milan losing last gasp to Atalanta. Uh, chance to pull within two of Milan for third place. And then um, the only team around them that won, that they, they're really competing for top four with now, is Bologna, the upcoming opponent on the, the next weekend, which we'll get into. Uh, and then it was Roma hosting Fiorentina, and it looked like a great opportunity, like you said, Jim. Huge opportunity, considering the way the schedule plays out after this. 
Fiorentina and Bologna, tough matches for sure. But this one at the Olimpico, and this is one of those teams that was really within touching distance of Roma as well. I mean, they're they're in the mix too. They were just uh, a point off Roma. So three points gives you a little separation, a loss, and you're behind them all of a sudden, and you're behind Bologna, and you know things get sloppy. And Roma scored five minutes in. Paolo Dybala, great play, great one to Brian Cristante, sets up the cross to Lukaku, and all of a sudden, Roma's up five minutes in, and you're like, wow, this is this is looking pretty good. And it felt pretty good for the first 20 minutes or so with Dybala on the pitch. Um, Roma was, was definitely the aggressor for those first 20 minutes or so. Um, and then things just changed, and that's mm-hmm. maybe where we could start. First, we'll start with the goal, Jim. I mean, it... it we, I think we have to mention it. it. It was a very nice play. That play, that goal, the first 25 minutes before Dybala had to come off really reminded me of why I felt like I had some confidence that this side could be a top four side. Yeah. Uh, quite simply, they played the way that you have to play against a Fiorentina if you want to be a top four side. Within five minutes, they got the goal and they played hard. Um, they didn't just let Fiorentina kind of sit back because Fiorentina does not exactly have the most potent office in the world either. Uh, a lot of the reason why they're able to be where they are on the table is because of a solid defense combined with just enough offense to get by. So in my mind, I saw that one goal and I was like, okay, we're in a good position. And honestly, based off the chances that we saw, even after Dybala came out in the first half, Roma looked like they were trying to get two or three goals on, on Fiorentina. They came out fighting, which you got to, commend on some level uh of course that 25th minute injury and then sub out for Dybala was a kick to the groin for Roma's hopes not only in this match but in the next several going forward uh reports right now indicate that Dybala will be out for two to three weeks uh all indicators when he was coming off didn't make it seem like it was a terrible injury but you know with Dybala I mean that's kind of the price you pay as a Roma fan you've got a player who can really make something out of nothing and is arguably one of the most talented players in Serie A over the past decade. But on the flip side of that, he has a lot of injury issues. Maybe not as many as Renato Sanchez this season, but a lot of injury issues. So coming into this one, and you were hopeful that Dybala could stay healthy for these important matches that we have at the beginning of, at the end of the month um, against Lazio, against Juventus. Uh, those are Pretty key, I mean, sorry, Juventus and Napoli, I believe, are actually the matches. Mm-hmm. I was looking at the schedule one second. Uh, those are critical matches, and, you know, you can cross your fingers. No one said anything as definitive as Dybala's out until the new year just yet. But those are matches where you want Dybala at full strength to be able to get those points because it's not like Juventus or Napoli or slouches. Um, yeah, I mean, it It was a great goal. Uh it was everything that you want from a Dybala Lukaku pairing. Uh, Lukaku just was able to be in the right place at the exact right moment. He was able to muscle past defenders. Like it was a pretty trademark Romelu Lukaku goal. Uh, and that goal gave me a lot of confidence going forward. But as I already said, you know, that 25th minute injury to Dybala really took the wind out of Roma's sails. Yeah, it really did. And it's funny because he looked really sharp early on. Um, one, one of the accounts I follow, Enzo. Uh... Pure Romanista on Twitter. He puts out a lot of great Roma content. Um, mm-hmm. Just like, you know, his takes on the matches and all that. And and I've interacted with him. And 
he actually tweeted out like right before Dybala got hurt and maybe it was the jinx, but Dybala's done enough in these first 20 minutes to make an entire highlight video. Like that, that's the way it felt in those first 20 minutes. Yeah. He had that great play for the goal. He was leading the counterattack. You know, Roma was probably going to play on the counter most of the time anyway, against a team like Fiorentina. And it just seems like, and, and this was my biggest gripe with the match because I think this precipitated a lot of how the rest of the match played out. It's like, I understand Paul Dybala is your most creative player. He's your biggest threat going forward. You know, pairing with Lukaku is very dangerous, as we've seen. Uh, they yeah. play each other, off each other very well. But it almost feels like the whole game plan went out the window when he got hurt. Yeah, It felt like Roma got way too passive in attack, um, much too defensive. They, like, went into their shell. And at some point, it just didn't feel like this was going to hold up the way they were playing. And, and that second yellow card for Nikola Zalewski, which, you know, it's going to get called most of the time as a second yellow. You know, definitely some uh, playing it up by the Fiorentina player. I forget if which player was that he had fouled. I don't I don't think it was Ikone. I, I can't remember off the top of my head who he fouled. But, you know, it wasn't a big foul. It was just they were both going for the loose ball. He got beat to the ball by just a split second. And it was just enough to get the, the referee's attention to get that second yellow. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things that happens. I think maybe a little naive on his part, having that one yellow card already um, as a young player, just wanting to hustle. I think it was an honest mistake on his part, but I think maybe a little naive, maybe a veteran player with a yellow card says to themselves, let me let this one go because in the position that it was in, it wasn't like a goal saving challenge or anything. Um, and that put Robin yeah. down. And, and consequently they scored just a minute later. Uh, I would agree that, that that was a, a bad foul to take. I think that, and I would say it was a more inexperienced player's yeah. second yellow, despite the fact that I also don't really think that it should have been called as a second yellow, because let's just be honest, that type of call by a referee is the most fundamental way outside of a penalty that a ref can alter the, the course of the game. And one minute 100%. later, of course, that's what happens. Uh, like I think 90 seconds later, we got that, Lucas Martinez goal. Um, I think it's also important to remember in regards to Lizalewski that he's been in and out of the lineup the entire season. And he's just been, was finally getting some decent form. Uh, part of the reason why he kept on getting more minutes was because of how horrendous Spinazzola has been, but like he was getting a vote of confidence from Mourinho by getting this start. And actually right after the match, one of the few comments that Mourinho has had about uh, that this match was uh, he posted a picture of that foul basically mocking the referee and saying, like, this is a ridiculous call. Um, so I don't think it'll affect Zalewski going forward in terms of his time in the squad, honestly. Uh, but at the same time, it's incredibly frustrating to have felt like everything was generally going right, even by halftime in the sense that, you know, obviously Roma was going to be in a more protective phase after Dybala came off, but things were looking solid. Um, mm -hmm. And then to have that red card at the 64th minute is just a gut punch that you're not going to really be able to come back from uh, against a half decent side. And we've seen that happen for Roma and for Roma's benefit in matches as well. Like once a team gets a red card, it's really hard to maintain a one goal advantage. Uh, I wish that Roma had been able to build up more goals before the 64th minute. Cause I, I think that if Roma was up two one, they two zero, they probably would have won this one two one. 
uh, but at the same time, you know, if wishes were horses, beggars would ride. And it, it's just kind of disappointing to see uh, it all fall apart so quickly because of what I would describe as a ticky-tack second goal. Yeah, um, I, I think if Roma had found that second goal before the second yellow, I think they would have been in good shape. I, I do agree with you. I think they would have seen this one out, just whether it be 2-0 or 2-1. Um, it just felt like Fiorentina didn't have a whole lot in them to find that single because Fiorentina was up a man for a long time and Roma held out after that quick goal. Um, yeah. You know, Roma, I think, was always playing for the 1-1 after that goal. There, they, they had literally no attacking momentum even before the second red card. Um, you know, they did have those little – they didn't have a lot of shots on target, Roma, but it felt like they did have opportunities that they missed prior to that where it was like they felt like they had something going and then it just didn't turn into anything. Um, and it just shows why you have to take your chances because I felt like in those first 20 minutes, Roma should have found a second one. And if they had found that second one, I think they cruise. Um, yes. and I, I sent it to you and Brent in the group after that first goal. And it looked like Roma was really playing well right before that injury. It's like, if they can find a second, it feels like this could be one of those games where they can make a statement and, and kind of just cruise. Or if, if they do cruise like that, it's a statement to the league. Like, you know, we're legit top four contenders. Uh, here we are dismantling a team that was a point behind us. And, and it just the script flips so fast I, I, in part because the Dybala injury and then in part because the, the double red cards um, before we get to the Lukaku red, going back to the, the injury, just to talk about how it happened. It's like one of those things, like you love the hustle from Dybala, but he's like the one guy at this point in his career with the injuries he's had, where you're like, please don't, please don't try to do that. Like you don't ever want to stop a player from helping on defense, especially an attacking player kind of setting the tone for the rest of his teammates. But, man, of, of all ways for him to get hurt, it wasn't him getting hacked this time or trying to make a play in the attacking phase where he tweaks something. It was coming back, making a sliding tackle where he kind of gets a little bit caught in the in the turf, uh, and it caused the the issue. Uh, and it's like that is the most, most frustrating way for it to happen because it's not something he should have to be doing, I guess. Yeah, I would agree that it's not something that he has to be doing. Uh, that really is what put the uh, kind of nail, final nail in the coffin on this one in terms of Roma getting a win, obviously, because being down nine, you know, by being down to nine men, that's it's fairly impressive that Roma didn't lose this one. Honestly, let's just well, be I'm real. referring like, first to, to DiBala before we even get to what Lukaku did. Yeah, DiBala <laughs> and like, then two, down to nine. Yeah. It's like yeah, yeah. Uh, frust- like it was a frustrating one to watch after the DiBala. Let's just be honest. Um, and then you can make the connection to the down to nine because the the red card Lukaku got was him trying to make a tackle, which was, I mean, he was, I, I think a lot of what he does when he does go in a challenge like that, it, it's going to look a lot worse because he's such a big guy coming with so much. That's what I was going to say too. He's such a physical presence on the field compared to even like, like the way that I describe it is like Cristiano Ronaldo is ripped. Romelu Lukaku is like, built like a like like if a offensive lineman in american football was all muscle like it's kind of insane i remember the first time that i watched him in a roma kit i was like oh maybe he's kind of out of shape and then i saw him like basically just bust his ass down down the entire pitch and i was like oh no you're really in shape and then he scored and took his shirt off and i was like oh man you are like just strong and i think that the flip side of that the great thing about that is that he can muscle past defenders really easily and basically make a lot of Serie A defenders look lame as he's able to push past them and score an important goal. The flip side of that is that if he does do anything remotely that looks like a ch- 
a 50-50 challenge, it's a lot easier for someone to say, hey, that's a serious foul. Yeah, I, I think the foul in the end is worthy of a red card um, because he did go in studs up. I think other players would also, if they had gone to VAR, I think the reason, because the ref pulled the yellow and then switched to red, I don't know if the uh, assistant referee was close enough to see it, and that's why the, the, the switch came before they even went to VAR. I do think if it went to VAR with any player, it probably turns into a red card because the studs yeah. were up. I think it was yeah. very rash. I think it was a frustration foul from him. To me, that is a worse red card than Zalewski's because he's a veteran player. And I, I think he just lost his head a little bit there. I, I don't think he was trying to hurt anybody or, yeah. you know, do anything stupid. But I, I do think he lost his head in the moment trying to get the ball back and, and was very rash about it. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas I think Zalewski was more naive about it when he did it. Luckily for Roma, it was very late in the match so that they didn't have to defend with nine men for too, too long. Yeah, um, only so about nine minutes. Like, yeah, we saw the 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 images of the ball boy being given a note by Mourinho as he was trying to figure out a way to reshuffle things. And uh, the ball boy handing it to Rui Patricio and it basically had Bove up top with uh, El Shirari, I believe, as like the two target men on long, you know, balls out from the back just to give them the Bove, the Bove, the Bove to Francesco Totti uh, character arc is going to be great. Yeah. Now that yeah. he's just going to become a 10 now. <laughs> um, um, more seriously, though, I mean, just talking about the long-term implications of this, obviously Lukaku is suspended for one match. Uh, Dybala is gone for two to three weeks now. Uh, the one point is probably going to be helpful during at least that first match, just because that with Lukaku and Dybala out. Uh, it might be a chance for someone like uh, um, Andre Velotti to come back into the starting 11. Uh, I guess we're going to have to trust Leonardo. Be, right? It has to be right, and then I would imagine that maybe you get a Belotti Asmoon front two based off of the way that Roma's been playing. Uh, and I would that's imagine if Asmoon that... is healthy. He also came yeah. up with an issue after being subbed in for Dybala. I, I read today that he and Spinazzola are both being monitored day by day, um, so that could seriously yeah. limit options on Sunday. Yeah. Um, I mean, the good news is that, as I mentioned, those really tough matches coming down the pipeline. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me, can't get fooled again. But uh, Bologna, Roma, I know that Bologna is doing well in the table right now. I know that they're fifth. Bologna scares me significantly less than Napoli or Juventus. So if there was a match to be without Romelu Lukaku and Paolo Dybala and maybe even Asmoon, I would say that I'd prefer it to be Bologna Roma than Roma Napoli or Juventus Roma. Like if I had to choose, I don't like choosing, but that would be the match where I wouldn't have one of those those players. Um, I do think it raises a lot of questions about what Thursday's match probably will yes. say tomorrow, since I imagine this will go out on Wednesday. What Thursday's match is going to look up like lineup wise? Obviously, Roma secured second place and like advancing to the uh, to the knockout rounds for. Uh, for the Europa League, but with a win, Roma could theoretically leapfrog in first and not have to worry about that kind of round of 32 first. Um, my guess is that all bets are off on that. Uh, I think Mourinho, if, if I was Mourinho, I'd have more confidence in the club's long-term ability to just like win in a round of 32 match uh, than I would want to throw more players who could get injured into the match against Sheriff. And for all I, for all we know, I mean, they, it's not like Sheriff's been that great. They're, they've got a minus nine goal differential and have gotten one draw and four losses uh, in the Europa League. 
So it's it's entirely possible that Roma could shuffle in a lot of other players and still get the win. Uh, given that, I don't really think that Roma's going to really put that much energy into this Thursday match. Uh, you just got to keep people healthy at this point. Maybe you play Lukaku only because he's not playing against Bologna. That's all I can yeah. think of. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. Uh, starting with Thursday, before we get to how maybe they line up against Bologna with the the absences, I I, I think at this point, if they were level with uh, Prague, that maybe you go for this a little bit and try to win out on a goal differential. If you win by more goals, and then Prague beats Servet, Servet seems to be the tougher of the two uh, teams that have been eliminated. But being down two points, the chances that Slavia Prague slips up here, I think, based on the way they've played in the Europa League so far are unlikely that they drop those two points or even three points to Servette. Um, I, I just don't think it's worth expending the energies of certain players, putting certain players at risk. I think Lukaku 100% starts because he's suspended on Sunday. So I think that that becomes a no-brainer. Um, yeah. It's a matter of, you know, I don't think you see Spinazzola because if he, even if he's day-by-day, day, you're not going to risk him Thursday if he is available to then maybe lose him for Sunday, I don't think. Um, it's going to be interesting to see the way they approach it. It could be that situation where you see El Shirari playing left wing back, like we saw in the second half of the last match when Roma did go down to nine men, where he kind of shifted to the left wing, or rather when they were down to 10 men and, and Zalewski was uh, out of the match. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're going to have to rely in these next two matches, maybe impacting the midfield a little bit more than they've done lately, just use an extra midfielder. Maybe Pellegrini becomes uh, you know, the, the guy playing off of Lukaku, if you want to play Pellegrini, or maybe Simon yeah. worth risking him. Maybe Awar does that in this match. I do think you have to see some rotation. I mean, I know at center back, it's not really possible because of the situation they're in. So that's the one place we'll probably see the same yeah. players over and over again. And, you know, God willing, they stay healthy. Um, pray to the Calcio gods because Roma can't afford to lose a center back right now. But they mm-hmm. do have strength in numbers in the midfield. Uh, they have, do have strength in number at right back if one of those players has to maybe play on the left side um you know to, to try to save some legs for their l- other players that have played on the left side this year but i do think this is the kind of game where maybe you experiment a little bit if you have to even shift to a four-man back line to let indica play left back like he did a little bit at eintracht frankfurt um because i think it, this is the kind of match where you just have to save some of those players that could be crucial because knowing you're down the ball probably through the next three league matches which like you mentioned bologna napoli juve yeah three teams that are in the top six right now uh, yeah. you're going you're gonna to need the best you could put out there. Now, going to Sunday, like, you're out Dybala and Lukaku, your top two goal scorers, your top two, you know, guys that can put the ball in the back of the net. It's probably going to fall on Belotti paired with either Azmoun or El Sharari, depending on who's available, um, depending on Azmoun's status. And Bologna does not give up a lot. That That's what worries mm-hmm. me about this match. They don't score a heck of a lot. Um you know, their matches tend to go under three goals. Five of the last seven matches they've played have gone under three combined goals, which play, tells me they're playing a lot of 2 nothing, 1-1 type matches. Um, and Roma's going to have to find a way to break them down. I mean, going through their last five yeah. where they have three wins, a draw, and a loss. Their only losses to Fiorentina 2-1. Other than that, they beat Lazio 1-0. They beat Torino 2-0. Uh, drew Lecce very late. Lecce scored in them 1-1 on a late penalty kick. Otherwise, they would have won that match too. Uh, and then beat Salerno this past weekend 2-1. They were up 2-0 in a match and did concede one in the second half. But they're very rarely, I mean, going back, I'm going back through their schedule. They gave up two to Inter early in, early in the year and still drew that match. Like, they don't give up multiple goals a lot. 
So we're almost going to have to be on the top of their game, both defensively, and they're going to have to find a way to score a goal, whether it's off a set piece, uh, maybe Bolotti refines that magic from week one against Larry anytime. They, they're going to have to find a goal and, and defend like really tough because I don't, I don't know if they're getting two in this one. Yeah, I mean, I would 100% agree with that. I do wonder if Mourinho tries putting Pellegrini in more of his Sassuolo role uh, from way back when, when he was way more of a consistent goal scorer. He's kind of shifted not all the way back to uh, being a Brian Cristante type, but he is definitely less, he's more of a uh, midfield presence than an attacking midfield presence these days, I think it's safe yeah. to say. Uh, so you do have to wonder, I, at least I'm wondering if maybe Pellegrini gets put up front with Belotti to start this one if uh, Asmund isn't available. Um, that seems to be one potential option to provide more attacking juice, uh, especially with players like Paredes and Cristante available in the midfield itself. Uh, beyond that, I would agree with you that there's going to be a tough one against Bologna as much as it's probably the best possible match to lose both uh, Lukaku and Dybala for. Uh, I'm not overly optimistic about where this one goes, honestly. Uh, I'm hoping for a draw. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised by a loss, but I, I, you know, the one thing that I do think that Mourinho has successfully instilled in the side is an ability to kind of lash back out when they get punched in the jaw. Uh, I think that's probably the best thing that Mourinho has instilled in this side since coming here. Like this, this club had a glass jaw for basically mm -hmm. as long as I could remember. This club doesn't have that anymore. So I think that if there was a moment for Roma to kind of like fight back, so to speak, and re and get an, a surprising win, I would say it probably would be uh, next match against Bologna. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think this match, too, to some extent, is going to show us what kind of balls this team has, right? To, to put it not so lightly, like, do they have what it takes without their two top goal scorers to gut out a victory and find a way against a team that's been overachieving um, based on projections, right? And I, I think we have to see if they have what it takes to to step up, go toe-to-toe -to -toe with this team on the road. Uh, you know, not a big team by name, um, but they're playing like a big team this year in terms of just getting getting it done. Yeah. They're getting results. Um, yeah. You know, sitting level with Roma. This is like, this is one of those teams where you want to, obviously you can't lose this match, I think, going into the stretch they're going into. But I also think it's important to win it because then you could kind of set the tone and be like, we took care of these up-and-comers. We put ourselves in a position where, you know, we're still the, the top four right now. And we're going into this stretch with a little momentum before Napoli the day before Christmas Eve, Juventus yeah. a week later, and then Milan a week after that. Like, the schedule, we, I look, I wrote the piece on the website about three weeks ago. We know this is a gauntlet of a schedule throwing in some Europa League matches mixed in, throwing in not an easy match against Sassuolo. You know, Fiorentina was in that mix. This is where Roma's got to step up. They have to do something where they're going to not put themselves in too much of a hole. I think it was huge that they got a point in the last match. I, I said after the match to, you know, to my buddy who I was texting back and forth with, Nick, who's been on the show a couple times when you haven't been here. And I said, like, in the end, that 1-1 draw was a better result for Roma than for Fiorentina based on the way the match played out. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. If you're Fiorentina and you can't find a second goal when you've been up a man for, I, I think it was around the 60th half minute an hour. Or so, yeah. yeah, half an hour, and then up a, a second man for the final 10. Like, as a Fiorentina fan, I would I would be super disappointed, especially because they scored right after the red card. Where you're I like, will okay, say that I do think that a lot of that, 
I do think that a lot of that came from the efforts put in by Brian Cristante on in this one. Uh, I didn't find Lorente and Dicca or Mancini to be that impressive, but I I feel like from the moment throughout the match, but from the moment that Zalewski got red carded, uh, Cristante was doing a very good job of trying to make like control the damage, uh, trying to triaging the situation, and he was doing that also on a yellow card himself. Yes. Uh, he had a yellow yep. card from the 32nd minute. And yet he was, in my opinion, kind of making things go in a way that pretty much nobody else on the side was defensively. And Rui Patricio also did an excellent job. It should be it should be stated that those two were definitely the highlights out of players who didn't have to leave the field because they were injured or players who didn't have to leave the field because they got a red card, uh, which does cut it down a decent amount for this one. <laughs> but, uh, you know, beyond that, I, I will say that, you know, one thing that is nice to know, at least for the remainder of four or five months, uh, it does look like Rui Patricio is going to be able to do the job until the end of the season. Like, I, th- I think that was definitely in question even a month or two ago. Yeah. But to be down two men and to only let in one goal, as much as Fiorentina should be disappointed in themselves for not turning this into a win, a lot of that does come down to Rui Patricio having a pretty solid um and yeah I, I didn't look at his numbers before you started saying it he actually had seven saves uh, a couple yeah. of high claims inside the box uh yeah according to the advanced metrics prevented 1.14 goals which is the difference in a 1-1 match for sure um yeah so, he's so i would say of, that like he's probably not going to be here by the end of next season like i kind of view it in the same way that i viewed like late stage morgan de sanctus if that's the i think that's the right comparison like he's not the goalkeeper of the future by any stretch of the imagination but he's doing a pretty good job for now yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think matches like this show that he's a veteran that can get the job done. You know, you you hope he doesn't have any of those screamers like he had early in the season. Um, but I, I think you're right. He he's the goaltender for the rest of the season. He's you know, should be probably gone after the season's over. They they should make a move for someone and Zvilar probably remains the 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 understudy to that higher rated keeper if that's the direction they choose to go and he chooses to stay. But I agree. I, I think that was a good shout at him. I think Cristante deserved a shout too, because playing with a, a yellow from so early in the match is not easy. Um, and, and he was able to do it, you know, <laughs> maybe when a player gets a, a yellow so early and they have to play, you know, and then sometimes in the defensive phase, you, you worry about them getting the the second yellow and getting red card. And, and he did a nice job of, of not getting himself in that position. So um, it's going to be, it's going to be another big weekend for Roma. I mean, I'm looking at the rest of the Serie A schedule I know Inter Lazio is the big one. Lazio is still behind Roma, but you you hope for some some help there, right? From Inter, we're yeah. not catching Inter at this point. So anytime Inter plays any of the big sides, you're rooting for Inter, um, you know, hundred uh, um, percent. And then you look around the other matches, though. I don't know if Roma's gonna get too much other help. Like they're gonna have to help themselves this week to some extent because um, Milan is hosting Monza, Fiorentina's hosting Verona. Um, I mentioned the big head-to-head over there. Atalanta is hosting Salernitana. Yeah. And then, of course, Roma's playing Bologna head-to-head. So not going to get much help elsewhere if Roma doesn't help themselves. Like If they don't, if they go and get no points from this match, it could be one of those weekends where you lose three points to a lot of your direct competition, and which is, I think, what Roma's going to have to avoid at all costs, which is why I think a draw is the minimum result on the road this weekend. Yeah. Uh, life is what happens when planes go out the window, to put it mildly. Uh, and I think that looking ahead to this next week, I have no idea what's going to happen against Servette. I wouldn't be surprised if I win, but I'm 
bracing myself for a draw. Uh, looking to Bologna, as you're, you're right, you know, Roma will not be doing themselves any favors in the quest for top four football if they don't get a win there. Yeah. Do I believe in Roma's ability to get a win without Dybala, without Lukaku? I mean, honestly, we said I said last week that the difference between Roma being a top four side and not is Dybala and Lukaku. So I'm a little skeptical about Roma's ability to win this one. Uh, but maybe that's the skepticism we need for us to, you know, get our hearts picked up again and to start believing again only for it to get smashed down. It does feel rather cyclical uh, these days with Roma. You get your hopes up a little bit and then then things come back to reality. Uh, I know. Like every time you start yeah. to think about like, what are we going to talk about next, right, on, on the show? And it's like, it feels like the same themes keep coming back and like mm-hmm. you hope people don't get tired of hearing it from us. Uh, and I, I actually missed. So let me go through the next five matches, Jim. And we'll, we could probably end it here. If we go through these five matches, like what is the minimum Roma is going to probably need out of these to, to stay in the top four? You know, even if they don't stay in fourth by the end of this five match stretch, to stay within to be touch. In um, I mean, like so- the thing with Serie A in general is I, that is just important to know. It's not like any side has looked invincible this season, which is why Roma's no, and in contention Roma for top four football yeah. in the first place. So for all we know, Roma gets like seven or eight points out of the next five Serie A matches. But that's enough to keep them in the hunt for top four. Like, I wouldn't be utterly shocked by that because no. nobody except for Inter has looked like kind of a kind of invincible. Juventus is a little bit further behind them. But like, once you get pretty good too. But once you get past first and second, it really looks like anybody's. Yes. Game. And uh, Roma's only four, even with this draw, Roma's only four points behind third. Like, yeah. as much as we've two. been pretty downer, yeah. as much as we're pretty downer behind, on this whole situation, Roma's only four points behind third right now, which again, I don't think anyone would have expected after the first month of match play. Yeah. So, my guess looking at these matches, we've got Bologna, we've got Napoli, we've got Juve, uh, we've got Copa, but you know, uh, we've got Atalanta and then we've got Milan. That's a murderer's row. Murderer's like Bologna row. is five direct. Bologna is the toughest one. Yeah. I mean, the easiest one. And other than that, it's all matches that usually I would sweat bullets over. Um, given that, for me to think top four football is still alive, I would have to say out of 15 points. Got, got to get like eight, right? I mean, I think at least eight. nine or 10 in yeah. my head. I think nine or 10 seems right. Uh, like, if you got to win against Bologna, you got like, Atlanta has not been impressive to me this no, season. No, I think so that, I feel like, that's one you have to circle too, because that's the home match against Atalanta. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I target the Napoli one too, because that's also the home match. And Rome's been pretty good at home. If Bologna, there were two wins, two draws, and a loss, I'd be okay. Yeah, and that's eight points. I think that's I, I, where I think, I'm. Yeah. I think that's where I'm at. Like, if Roma lost to Juventus, drew against Napoli and Milan, and won against Atalanta and Bologna, I'd be like, okay, we're still in the thick of it. I think that once you get worse than that, you start having to care way too much about performances in other matches. You start getting worried, understandably so. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I think eight is, and I think the way you projected it, obviously, you know, who knows how it's going to happen. We might lose to Bologna and beat Juve. That, that, that's, that would be the, a very I wouldn't mind. Thing to do. Honestly, like, yeah. as much as it would stink to have to do the podcast after a loss to Bologna, like, if we lost to Bologna and then pulled off a win against Juve and Milan, I'd be like, okay, works for me. 
Yeah. I, I think um, but I think like you said, like a draw against Napoli, a draw against Milan keeps you within touching distance of those teams. You don't lose any ground to them. Um yeah. I think Atalanta, you could kind of put them down a bit because they haven't been that great this season. No. They're they're kind of the team that's been on the outside looking in. They're in eighth place right now. Roma's two points up on them. You could beat them. And you know, depending on that, obviously there's a lot of other matches mixed in before you play them. Uh, yeah. I think three points against them would be huge. Um, same with Bologna, you know, Bologna's kind of that up and comer. I think they're going to hang. And I think they could even push for like a conference league spot this year, the way Tiago Mota has them, them playing. But I think yeah. you have to win those. If you're going to lose one, it's probably, you know, best to lose to Juve just because Juve's out of touching distance anyway. Yeah. Um, but I think I the thing too, I was looking at, as I look through the other matches on these weeks that Roma has these tough matches, like outside of this week, when Lazio plays Inter, there's not really any big head-to-heads where someone else is guaranteed to drop points. Is someone going to slip up? In all likelihood, the way the season's playing out, 100% someone's going to slip up Yeah, somewhere. probably. Um, yeah. But, like, you can't bank on somebody dropping at least two to three points in any of these match weeks. And that's that's where Roma has such, like, little, um, you know, margin for error, at least while they're in this tough stretch. Obviously, then other teams start to play each other, and Roma hopefully takes care of business against the yeah. smaller sides and makes up the, that ground that they may, may lose. Uh, in yeah. these coming weeks, if they end up with only, say, seven to eight points. Um, but it's going to be interesting because we might be sitting here. Uh, let's see. The, the match against Milan is on the 13th of January. We might be sitting here on the 14th or 15th saying, oh, boy, Roma only picked up, you know, six or something. And, like, yeah. what, what's the table looking like now? So certainly going to be interesting. I think it's going to be an exciting but also very nerve-wracking next month or so for us. Uh, the yeah. holidays will be special when you're with family if you if you celebrate. but uh, anytime we tune into Rome over the next couple weeks, I think it's be uh, a very nervous holiday season. I would agree. Uh, say what you will about Roma, they keep it entertaining. Yeah, that is for sure. So we'll leave it there. We will have our match coverage up for um, the Sheriff match, you know, probably today. If you're listening, it's, it'll probably be Wednesday. Uh, yeah. We will also have plenty of coverage for all these big upcoming matches in Serie A. And then, hey, Cremonese looms too in the Copa Italia. We know how that's going in the past. So yeah. things will be interesting. We'll have plenty of coverage for you guys. We thank you for listening and we uh, hope to see you back here again next week.